Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Not Gonna Lie podcast presented by Student Union Sports. The news of the day does not come from a hot free agent signing, a massive trade, although there were a couple of those over the last week since we were last together talking about football. But the biggest news of the day that we're going to get into right away is the NFL is moving forward with a new 17-game season. Now, this is something that uh, was talked about last year, was heavy debate amongst a lot of star players. Russell Wilson was against this. Ryan Fitzpatrick was in favor of it. And actually, the vote came down to a difference of 60 votes uh, but it was in favor. So they uh, had, uh, had voted and agreed on the 17-game season, and it seems like the NFL is going to move forward with that. Uh, I mean, this is a lot of things. Like, there, there's so much uh, that, that changes in the span of, you know, just moving from 16 games to 17 games, it seems like a little bit. But you think about um, fatigue, and you think about players getting ready for the season and, and, and how this all prep works for them. You think about records. Uh, you know, what seemed like an unattainable uh, 55 touchdown passes. We may have three guys throw for 50 touchdowns or more uh, over these next five years, and, and a lot of records will be broken, whether it's passing yards, receiving yards, pretty much any records you can think of. Uh, the record books are going to be tainted now. It's going to be a new era, the 17-game era in football. Um, but outside of that information, to be completely honest with you, I'm not sure. Uh, what to make of this. I think that there are a couple guys that have, have come out against this. Alvin Kamara was one of the uh, main people who was opposing this rule, but it was voted on, it was established, and the bottom line, the reason why it is happening is because it makes the league more money. There was you know, restrictions with fans this past season, and the NFL, along with many other major sports programs, lost billions of dollars in revenue uh, had there been you know, stadiums operating at full capacity. And the goal is, the hope is, that they will be able to to do so this season or at least a high percentage. You know, we'll, we'll see how things move over the summer and progress towards September when games actually start. But, uh, I mean, look, bottom line, because this, this 17th game isn't coming out of nowhere, they are reducing the preseason games to three. Uh, so it'll just be three preseason games and, and 17 regular season games. But the way that they are bringing up uh, the way that they are bringing up the 17th game is actually very interesting. Looking at uh, the some of these explanations, uh, I was a little bit confused how it works. So this was the explanation that we were given uh, here. Let's see if I can get the quote here. Uh, so this is what they said, quote, which will be an opponent from the opposing conference, but coming from outside of the historically rotating interdivisional matchups that already exist. So the 2020 standings will also play a role. Uh, I, I, when I first read that, I didn't know what it meant. And if you are also confused about what it means, don't worry. Uh, I found a much more dumbed-down explanation that helped me out uh, and I hope might help you out too. For example, if it's a season when the NFC North is slated to play the AFC South for out-of-conference opponents, the 17th game for NFC North teams will consist of the AFC South and one more AFC team from outside the South Division. The additional opponent will be determined by the previous season's divisional standings and will also rotate to a different division each season. Uh, so there was actually an ESPN report, Field Yates tweeted out some of these hypothetical uh, weeks uh, or the, I guess it would be week 18 matchups 
Uh, and there's a couple of good ones. Buccaneers at Colts, Packers at Chiefs, Seahawks at Steelers, Rams at Ravens, Cardinals at Browns, Cowboys at Patriots, uh, and Washington at the Bills, to name a few. Um, I mean, look, I understand that there are players that aren't a big fan of this rule. Uh, and obviously, safety and the health of the players is the number one concern. But really, from a fan's perspective, as selfish as it sounds, that's more football. You think about the difference of people that tune in to the fourth preseason game. And, and we all know the third preseason game is really the uh, the tune-up for the NFL season, right? The the third the third game is where a lot of the starters get out and they play a healthy amount of minutes. I mean, there are some, some reserve guys that get in there. But um, all that being said, nobody really watches preseason games outside of, you know, your, your uh, passionate fan base. I mean, I, I'll sit down and watch Colts preseason games, but I'm not tuning into, you know, maybe a, a Texans-Vikings game. That just doesn't interest me. Whereas regular season, if it's on, I'm, you know, if it's on Sunday ticket, I am tuned in, I'm ready to go, uh, and, and I'm going to watch it. So from a fan perspective, um, purely selfish reasons, I think this makes a lot of sense. Um, from a business perspective, it brings in an additional game of, of TV revenue. It brings in a potential for more ticket sales. Uh, but the interesting thing is, you know, how are they going to break down the home and away schedule? Is it going to be alternating? So uh, one year, you know, like all the AFC teams host the game. And then the other year, all the NFC players, uh, NFC teams host a game. Um, there are a lot of logistic pieces that I'm still interested in figuring out. But for the most part, um, outside of, you know, concerns about players' health and safety, which is obviously should be number one in this sport, I don't hate it. I can see why players may not like it, and I can see why fans and analysts and, and uh, you know, executives in the NFL absolutely love it. So it's it's kind of a hot topic, and at the end of the day, um, the the league needs to make back money. This COVID, uh, the COVID restrictions were hard on everybody. You know, every single major... Uh, industry that involved in-person events took a hit this year. Uh, and this is one of the ways that they can best recoup those losses. So I don't hate it. Um, but one final thing, I mean, how weird is it going to be the end of the season when you've got teams that are 11 and six and 13 and four and two and 15, like that is just going to be so weird. Uh, and for so much of my life and I mean, well, for all of my life, uh, it's been 16 games. In fact, this is the longest stretch of time where the NFL has been set on one schedule. Um, so my mind only works in eight and eight and two and 14 and 13 and three and seven and nine. So it's going to be very different just looking at these standings, uh, especially, you know, once we finish week 17 and they show the playoff picture and we think, okay, we're done. No, we still got one more game to go. Uh, so quite the change for the NFL. I know a lot of players may not be in favor of it, but honestly, at the end of the day for us fans, uh, it means more football, as selfish as it sounds. Uh, and for the NFL, it means more money, which really is is how this game is able to be played, how this game operates. So it, it makes sense that they would make this decision and go for it from there. Now, moving on to the other big news of the week, the Dolphins were very busy in the trade market, very busy with their newly acquired draft capital, thanks to the Houston Texans uh, and thanks to Laramie Tunzel. Uh, the Dolphins traded back originally with the 49ers from 3 to 12, got a ton of picks from the 49ers, uh, and then they went and moved up from 12 to 6 thanks to the Eagles. Uh, but all in all, uh, before I get into the confusing and, and you know what capital was used where because it all bounced around, here's basically what you need to know. The, the 49ers moved up from 12 to 3. Uh, the Dolphins went back to 12, up to 6, 
Uh, and then they obtained the number six pick, the number 156 pick, a 2022 first-round pick from the 49ers, a 2022 third-round pick from the 49ers, and a 2023 first-round pick from the 49ers. The Eagles moved back from six to 12, got 12, the number 123, and the number and the first there the Dolphins' first-round pick in 2022. Uh, now let's break down why each of these teams might have made this decision. First off, for the 49ers, it makes a lot of sense. There is probably no team in the NFL that embraces the phrase more a quarterback away than the San Francisco 49ers. Obviously went to the Super Bowl last year, dealt with a lot of injuries over this past season, really struggled to recapture that magic, um, and they seem to be about done with Jimmy Garoppolo. And didn't, you know, had an opportunity in the trade market to go after Matt Stafford, didn't get him, wasn't involved in Carson Wentz. It doesn't look like Deshaun Watson's going to get traded. Uh, and so the 49ers said, you know what, we're willing to sacrifice our draft capital for the number three pick uh, because the way it looks, there might be four quarterbacks going in the first four picks. Uh, and the 49ers didn't want to miss out on that, didn't want to be left with Mac Jones. And they said, you know what? We are going to, into attack mode. Uh, and the third best quarterback in this draft is good enough for us, which is probably going to be Justin Fields or Trey Lance. I personally think Trey Lance would be a great fit there uh, and, and gives Jimmy G an opportunity to play a little bit more, see if he can prove himself, uh, all the while letting Trey Lance develop just a little bit. For the Dolphins, they're sitting at number three uh, in a position where they could take you know, an elite prospect of a quarterback, but they don't really need one. They've got Tua. Um, and as all things are considered, he's going to be the guy. He hasn't really been given a fair shake in terms of, you know, the way the offense was schemed in Chan Gailey, wasn't really given a lot of playmakers. But the Dolphins have made a conscious effort this season to go out there and get uh, a, a lot of playmakers for Tua. They're they're not going to draft another quarterback. They're probably going to use uh, that pick on an offensive weapon, whether it be on the offensive line or one of the skill position players. Um, and because, you know, they moved back essentially three spots, they added two first round picks, a third round pick, uh, and the number 156 from the Eagles. Why not? It makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense for this team. And I'm very excited, uh, that the Dolphins were able to, you know, pull this. Out. I mean, two years ago, we're talking about the laughing stock of the league last year, went 11 and five, nearly, or 10 and six, nearly made the playoffs, uh, and are now drafting in the top 10 with still, a couple of years left with multiple first round picks. It's incredible what they've done. Uh, and finally the Eagles, this is interesting. I read a rumor as to why they were so willing to trade back. And it's because they believe, and we talked about this months ago on the podcast. You can go back and listen. We've, we've discussed this pretty heavily, but they believe that the Bengals are going to take Jamar chase with a number five pick. Uh, and they view Jamar chase as the number one guy in, uh, in, in the draft from the wide receiver position, if they can't get them, they might as well say, you know what, we'll take our chances at 12, get an additional capital, and, and see who falls to us there. Uh, I don't hate it for the Eagles because they have so many needs and so many, uh, you know, just issues on that team. The gap between 6 and 12 is not large. If you think about it, I think the Broncos and I think the Cowboys are going to go cornerback. Um, the Lions have a, a lot of needs, but... You think about the guys that are going to be available at, at six, the guys that are going to be available at 12, not a huge drop-off in terms of you know what, what they could expect. So this is actually a pretty smart move by the Eagles, uh, building up capital, uh, still getting a first-round pick, and, and throwing on another one from next year too. Uh, but now let's get into what this means. So I think the only way to kind of talk about how the, the NFL draft might shake out now uh, is to do a mock draft of those first top 12 picks. So at the end of this podcast here, we're going to do a, a mock draft 
of the top 12 picks in the draft uh, with the new updated positions. So we've got the 49ers drafting at three, the Dolphins at six, and the Eagles at 12. Uh, so what happens? I mean, well, first off, we all know uh, Jacksonville Jaguars are taking Trevor Lawrence. I think this makes a lot of sense. Um, fills a need. It's a, a generational player at the quarterback position for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And they've been busy in free agency, not necessarily spending a ton of money to get top-level guys, but they've gone out and they've gotten key uh, role guys, key difference makers, um, and, and they can kind of assess where they're at and grow from there. I think they have quietly a very good receiver rotation. DJ Chark, LaVisca Chenault, Marvin Jones they've added. Philip Dorsett is in the mix. Uh, so they've got a good group there. James Robinson is returning. They added Carlos Hyde. Um, I mean, this is a good group of, of skill position players on the offensive side of the ball. He is going to have, uh, Trevor Lawrence is going to have a variety of weapons to choose from. Uh, and I think this makes a lot of sense. At number two, we've talked about him since November, maybe, uh, as being a guy who I believe is the second best quarterback in the draft. And it seems like the national media has swept, uh, has gotten swept up in Zach Wilson or Mahomes, uh, Mormon Mahomes mania. Uh, so that's who they're going to go with at number two. I mean, a lot of work still to be done for this Jets organization, but I think just in terms of what we've seen with Zach Wilson on the field this past season, what he brings to the organization, um, he's going to be a guy who can come in right away and be the face of the franchise. Uh, this is New York, you know, big market, uh, and he he is a big market quarterback just in terms of the way he plays, uh, his commanding presence, but... There's still a lot to be done. This Jets team is far from competitive, uh, and Joe Douglas has his work cut out for him. They still do have another first-round pick, thanks to that uh, Jamal Adams uh, Seahawks trade. And uh, but as of right now, getting a quarterback, getting a franchise signal caller. Uh, I was reading today; they said that they are open to to keeping Sam Darnold and still drafting a quarterback. So you know, uh, going into it right away, Zach Wilson hasn't inherently won the starting job. If that's the case. Uh, which I mean, good for them getting competition, getting the best guy out there. Um, but we, you know, you know that that Zach Wilson is going to be the future sooner or later. At number three, uh, the 49ers newly traded up for this position. If I was them, I would take Trey Lance, but I think signs are pointing to them taking Justin Fields. Uh, he, he's a guy, you know, a big arm athletic guy coming out of Ohio State. I think it's very funny how people look at, you know, how positions have fared. Uh, at different colleges and say, okay, this guy's going to be successful. This guy's not. Uh, and, and people are saying, you know, look at Dwayne Haskins, look at Cardale Jones, look at all these guys that have come into Ohio State and they can't perform. I mean, it's it's apples and oranges, really. Yes, I think what the coaches do to prepare their quarterbacks for the next level and prepare their different positions for the next level is very important. And that's why we see some groups be more successful than others. But Really, when it comes down to it, it's it's a talent position. Uh, your job as a college coach, as a as a recruiter, is to find guys that maximize your uh, scheme and get you the most that you possibly can. I mean, yes, you're trying to get them ready for the NFL, but you're not saying go ahead and throw me 15 yard outs every third play because it's not going to be ugly or it's not going to be pretty. And and they're not really in the position to do the hard stuff in games. Uh, to let their quarterbacks develop. They are there to win national championships, to earn their school more money, more notoriety, more fame. Uh, and so I, I don't think there really is a, a group in the NFL or a, in college that truly says, you know what, we don't care about winning. We just want to develop guys for the next level. Um, and part of that's unfortunate, but really at the end of the day, uh, that is what you get at, at a college program. 
And so I, I don't think it's fair to say that Cardell Jones, because Cardell Jones and Dwayne Haskins failed as starters, that so will Justin Fields, because I think Justin Fields is more talented than both of them. Uh, I think he has a lot of room to grow in his game. Uh, I mean, there are still a lot of question marks, but really at the end of the day, he's a guy that you can build a franchise around. And they're, to the fact that you can get him as the third quarterback in this class is absolutely incredible. And number four, we hinted at it earlier, but we're going four straight quarterbacks. Uh, Trey Lance to the Atlanta Falcons. That's going to be something, right? Like this team is in is in a, in a rebuild. Uh, Trey Lance is a guy who can come in and sit behind Matt Ryan for a couple of years, be able to uh, you know learn from guys like Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones and Austin Hooper. I mean, this is this is a dream scenario. And if you get him in sooner than later, and we've talked about it, you know what what he can do on the field uh, is incredible. When he gets going, he needs time to grow. He needs time to improve, for sure, no doubt about it. But Really, at the end of the day, if he is given the right tools to succeed and he's not rushed into starting, Trey Lance can be very special. And this is a this is a great situation for him, learning behind you know an MVP in Matt Ryan, a guy who's played at the top level with a lot of great receivers. Uh, I, I like the pick. And we talked about this, and because we heard this rumor, I mean, look, we're going to follow suit. We're going to go with Jamar Chase. I think Panay Sewell should be the guy for the Bengals. And we've talked about this plenty of times, but really, you know, you've got to go with what makes you the most comfortable. And, and looking at, looking at this team now, uh, you know, even though they have a poor offensive line, you've got, uh, you've, you've got T Higgins, Tyler Boyd, adding Jamar chase onto that is insane. Like that is such a, a great receiver core. That's probably top 10 right now, just because of the talent that, uh, that he possesses Jamar chase and, and can be a top level guy right away. Uh, I, I like this pick. I love this pick, really, for the for the Bengals. If it's not going to be an offensive lineman, you might as well uh, just give your quarterback another weapon, especially a weapon that he is very, very comfortable with, somebody he enjoys playing with. Um, number six, there's a little bit of a dilemma here because I, I know how important it is for the Dolphins to add pass catchers, and I love Kyle Pitts. I mean, he is going to come in right away and be one of the best tight ends in football from day one, but I can't overlook the need for Panay Sewell. So as much as I want to take Kyle Pitts for this for this uh, this Dolphins team, I, I'm going to go and, and get a guy who could be a cornerstone left tackle for the next 15 years for the Miami Dolphins, um, which at the end of the day it is far more important than that tight end position. But it pains me. It, it was very close. It was very close. Uh, but somehow at seven here with the Detroit Lions, uh, they were also in need of pass catchers. And just thinking about the combination of TJ Hawkinson and Kyle Pitts is too much for me not to take him. I'm going Kyle Pitts, tight end. I mean, that's the best way you recoup the losses. You lost Kenny Galladay. You lost Marvin Jones Jr. How about you go out and get just an elite tight end pairing uh, and a guy, Kyle Pitts, who could go for 1,000 yards and and run that play-action game with with, uh, Jared Goff. And he's comfortable in two tight end sets. They've had... Uh, they, they've run it a lot in, in LA. Uh, and so transitioning over there, you know, don't, don't spend too much on a wide receiver. Just go out and get a guy who can, who can produce at the tight end position from day one. Now at number eight, we have the Carolina Panthers and I, I've loved the spot of, of, uh, Trey Lance to the Panthers. But now that the 49ers moved up, I just don't know if I see it happening. Uh, and so, so therefore, if that's the case, uh, I mean, looking at this list, they could go a number of directions. I think they could go offensive tackle, get Rayshon Slater. Patrick Sertan would be a good fit. Um, maybe add another wide receiver. 
but I think I'm going to go with the best player available and really just put that defense in a position to succeed, give them another uh, another skilled guy. Uh, we're going to take Micah Parsons, linebacker out of Penn State. Uh, I think you know Matt Rule has made an effort to get that defense better, spent a lot of top picks, Jeremy Chin, Derek Brown, over the last few years to to ensure that that, that defense is, is plays up to, to the standard that they expect. Uh, and I think Micah Parsons is a guy who can come in right away and play right away. Um, so I'm very excited for him. Uh, next up at number nine, we have the Denver Broncos. A lot of directions they could go as well. Uh, man, I know I've heard a lot of talk about, uh, well, especially now, J.C. Horn has kind of blown up draft boards recently um, just because of his athletic play. And, and that 11-1 broad jump was absolutely insane. I love Caleb Farley, and I think he's a very talented player, but I think he's going to be hurt a little bit by the uh, by the back surgery he's having, even though he went out and ran a 4-2-9, which is incredible. I mean, like truly, we're, we're talking about a guy with elite physical traits. And the fact that we're talking about him as a first-round pick, uh, considering he has played, what, one, one and a half years at the cornerback position, is nuts. But I understand the back surgery is going to to worry some teams, and I get that, and I understand that. So I won't pick him here, even though I really want to, and I think he's going to be the best corner in this class. Uh, I think what Vic Fangio really wants is a guy who can come in, compete, and and maybe is more of the safer option, the higher floor guy. So we're going to go Patrick Sertain here at number nine uh, to the Broncos, and then at number ten we're going to go J.C. Horn to the Cowboys. I think uh, J.C. Horn is a guy who uh, has a lot of physical gifts. Uh, and is really at the point, I mean, watching his college tape, there are just some games where he takes over the game. Like he is far and above the best player on the field. But there's a lot of lapses too. And in the NFL, you can't get by in your athleticism and your skill alone. Uh, so the big question for for uh, J.C. Horn is going to be, can you play between the downs, between the big plays? Can you stay consistent? Can you stay you know, sticky in coverage even when you're not locking your man down or getting an interception? Because that's really the bulk of what this game is. You know, it's not about uh, it's not about going out there and, and shutting your guy down on one play. It's it's the little plays that that really make the big difference. And then rounding out the final two picks of this top twelve shaken up mock draft, uh, the Giants are going to take Jalen Waddle, and we've mentioned it before, but look, Daniel Jones needs to uh, prove it this year, right? And I think the Giants have made an effort. To give them, give him some really talented weapons, some talented pass catchers, um, and Jalen Waddle is another guy that can do that. He can burn you over the top. Uh, a, a great guy for for what really what the Giants need is, is is a burner. But this is a big year for him, and if you know if he can't get it done, they have to come. You know they have to decide on that fifth year extension by the beginning of next season. So really, this is it. You know it's it's we've we've got one year here to decide on that extension, and if they say no, I mean shoot. We're, you know, Giants are back to square one. They've got an elite defense. They've got, um, you know, Saquon Barkley is a franchise running back, but they need to make sure that what they have out of Daniel Jones is good uh, and making and getting him receiver help is going to be the best way to do that. And in the final pick here, uh, you know, as much as I want to go wide receiver, as much as I want to go Devonta Smith, Rayshon Slater, uh, I'm making an executive decision here. I feel like the Eagles would go Devonta Smith. But getting a guy like Rayshon Slater, considering how banged up that offensive line is, Slater can play any position you need him to right away. He may thrive at guard. He may be a better guard than a tackle. And uh, because, you know, the Eagles do have tackles, although they're aging, 
uh, Rayshon Slater is just going to be the perfect guy. If, if there are injuries, if there are situations where, uh, you know, he, he needs to step in and maybe one game he's playing right tackle, the next game he's playing left guard, he might be the best guy in this class. Uh, I mean, you, I could argue with you, Elijah Vera Tucker's right up there too, but he might be one of the best guys in this class who can do that, who can play both positions uh, or play any position on that offensive line. Uh, and it's not a sexy pick. It's not a great pick uh, just in terms of like selling tickets. But I think looking back on it, getting a guy like Rayshon Slater is going to be far too important for this Philadelphia Eagles organization. Uh, and I think that, you know, the fact that they were able to get a top end guard tackle talent after trading back six picks and adding a first round pick is going to be a huge win for this off for this team in the offseason uh, from the jump. But that'll do it for this week's episode, guys. Thank you so much for listening. We've got just a month till the draft. We've got a couple guests coming on, uh, so it's going to be very exciting, very fun. You won't want to miss it. Stay tuned. We'll see you next week.